0: Amen. Well, you can be seated. <clears throat> I believe with all my heart today that God wants to do some great things. I believe with all my heart that um, today is going to be an unusual day for us in regards to the fact that God wants to do a deep and a lasting work that Satan would love to um, distract you from and, uh, and discourage you um, from listening to. And so God's um, goal for you today is that... Um, that you would listen, and the Spirit would move in your heart as we do. Um, to start this thing off, um, I will—I uh, I need to confess um, to you that last week I <laughs> forgot to continue on in our memorization journey through the book of the Bible, which no one reminded me of, okay? I think that tells the tale that uh, maybe you were happy you got a week off from it, okay? Which also says some other things, maybe that we're not memorizing, just kidding. But I heard about it in my community group this week for the first time, I didn't even realize it from uh, before that, it was on uh, my sheet here and I just forgot to do it. But you guys got a week off, okay? And uh, so now this week, um, we're gonna continue on in this. Uh, Remember up until this point, we've gotten through through, um, Second Chronicles, okay? So let's go ahead and practice that, okay? We're memorizing the books of the Bible in order so that we could be um, proficient with the Word of God, and so let's go ahead and try to uh, recite them. You ready? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges... Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles. Good job. Give yourselves a round of applause. All right, you guys are doing well. Um this week we're going to add 3 more to it. You ready? Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. Say those. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. Say it again. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. One more time. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, alright, I see some eyes looking down at their book. Don't look, okay? Just listen. So let's try from the beginning, okay? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. Alright, you guys are doing wonderful. I want you to continue memorizing these books and um, work on them in your own time so that. That We can um, know how to use God's word, um, know where to get to and, and be familiar with these books over the course of time, as well as knowing their order. Well, today is an exciting day <clears throat> because today we start through a story, the most incredible story of all time. Today we're starting through a true story. Today we're starting through a good story, good in the sense of this story is helpful and encouraging, but good in the sense of the news that we're going to read in it is inherently good. We're starting through a wonder-filled story, a story of joy, the story of when God, listen, came to earth. God came to earth And it's a story of how he got here, and what he did, and how he lived, and a story of how he talked, and what he said, and how he acted, what he was like, his personality, his character, his demeanor, his values. Today we're going to start through a story that pulls back the curtain to let us see, to let us understand, to let us answer, who is Jesus? What is he like? Why did he come? What was his mission? How did he accomplish it? Did he accomplish it? Who was around him? What did they do? How did he lead them? Why were they around them? What were they trying to accomplish? Who was this man? Was he the son of God or was he the son of man or was he both? And what does that mean? And why is it important within this story, in light of this news, along this journey, within and at the end of this narrative, we will also ask, and what does this all mean for my life? What does this mean? And so today we start this incredible journey to see the story, the true story of when God came to earth. You're going to get to see firsthand what Jesus was like, you're going to see the God of the universe in full picture. Understand who he was and what he accomplished. My goal and my hope, my prayer, is that throughout all of this, you would fall in love with this person, Jesus. And that you would follow him. That you would know him. And that you would share him with the world. And so let's pray. Let's pray as we begin this hike, as we begin this journey, as we embark on this joy-filled journey with the Son of Man. And I truly believe that today, as it sets us up for the narrative, it sets us up for the story, God's going to have his way among us. He's going to work deeply in our hearts, and he's going to draw us closer to him. So let's pray his blessing over this. Father, we come before you today, (coughs) and we just want you to move. Spirit, we want you to move. There is no more important story than this. God, we get to see the, the picture of your son. We get to know him. What he was like and what he did, what he is like and what he does. God, that we don't have to wonder anymore. We don't have to question anymore. We don't have to think we know but aren't really sure anymore. We get to see it front and center. And this journey is going to be incredible, and I pray that you would sustain us through it, that you would work in it, you'd open up our eyes, and I pray for the people in this room who don't know you, that they would keep on coming back to hear the story of this God-man Jesus. And I pray that the people in this room who do know you would keep coming back to know deeper, to love more, to follow more closely this God-man who came to earth. So God, I pray that you do your work in us today as we embark on this journey. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 is where we are today, and we're only going to be in verses 1 through 4 today. So we're going to read four verses, which is unusual for us, um, but that's where we're going to start. And it's incredible because today is going to be like the start of this journey. You know how um, in the beginning of... Uh, movies uh, prior to the storyline actually um, sh- showing itself to us. Maybe there's some text on the black screen um, that, that shows us and sets us up for the context of the situation, tells us what happened um, prior to that that time of starting or within um, the context and with, with the characters. Um, it kind of sets us up for the story, and then the movie starts. Well, in the same way, um, that's what today is going to be like. Um, but today, is going to be one of my most favorite weeks that we uh, partake in in all of this study because, uh, because this setting us up really helps us to prepare our hearts um, for reading the narrative which will start uh, next week. So let's read Luke chapter one, verses one through four. I'm reading from the NASB. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. It seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. This passage is going to set us up for the narrative that's going to begin next week. But I want to tell you that though this is kind of an introduction to this, again, it might be one of the most important weeks that we go through, that we we walk through. Because it's going to prepare our hearts. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you five more informational points. Okay? These points are going to help us um, to be more so informed than anything else. I'm going to go through one. We're going to move on to the next one. And then we're going to see why these five points matter at the very end. Which again will set us up perfectly for the reading of the narrative starting next week. So let's walk through this. Five informational points that I think are so helpful. The first thing that we see in these verses, verses one through four, in this passage of Luke, is that many, first of all, many had committed themselves to compiling the story and the works of Jesus from while he was on earth. Now, some of these These um, points are gonna be longer because I wanted them to be a little bit more descriptive, so you might have to write fast or abbreviate. But here's what we see first and foremost is that many had committed themselves to compiling the story and the works of Jesus From while he was on earth. You want to know this. We got to get you to know this that many people had committed themselves to compiling the story, the works of Jesus from while he was on earth. What we see in verse 1, it says this Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us. So here we are, starting in verse 1 of Luke. And what we find ourselves seeing in the beginning of this masterpiece, and it indeed is a beautiful masterpiece is that what we find out today is everything we need to know regarding this book, the period of time, the situation, the situational um, context, the audience, the author, the purpose, the reason why it's important, why it's pertinent to us. And as we get into this and we open this door of wonder, this land of wonder in verse one, it tells us that many had committed themselves to compiling the story and the works of Jesus from while he was on earth. Follow along in your Bible. I'm reading again from the NASB, but if you have a Bible, look at this. It says this in the beginning, since or whereas, or in life, of, or because, or inasmuch as, what? As many and often, people undertook a task. What was the task that they undertook? They undertook a task of compiling something. What did they compile? Compiling what? They undertook a task of compiling an account, a record, A permanent form so that this story wouldn't just be by word of mouth anymore, but that would be in permanent form, a record of things that happened, things that happened among them. What things? The things of Jesus Christ. And in this verse, we're really only halfway through a thought. Listen, stay with me. We're only really halfway through a thought. When you read this verse, it's it's not really a complete thought, verse number one. But we learn something from it. What do we learn? We learn that many and often in the time of Christ's life and immediately after, people pursued the mission to accurately record the story and the works of Jesus from his time of being here on earth. Did you hear that? Listen. We recorded it. We got it on record. We have accounts. People sought to document. For others to hear. For others to know. So that it wouldn't be forgotten or altered so that we could see and hear and learn and understand the message of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God who came to earth to pay the sentence for your sins. It was recorded. Many people and often people set out to compile these things so even though you weren't there, you now would have a record. This is what we learn here, and history shows, listen, behind the scenes of this, history shows that this, these documents, whatever ones are being referred to in this verse, were held in utmost value. Did you know that research shows that ancient manuscripts were very beautiful productions, okay? And especially these, they were depicted and written in silver ink on purple cloth sometimes, and often the scribe, when he came to the word God or the name of God or the name of Jesus Christ, he wrote it in gold. And so these people set out to record this because it was valuable. It was valuable. And did you know, I don't know if you've ever heard this story, but Christians of old, here's what they would do on Saturday nights, okay? And this is to help us understand what these scribes, these writers were doing. The Christians of old, do you know on Saturday nights, um, his, his, just... History tells us, research would tell us that families would sift through the coins and the bills that they had attained or earned from their week of work on a Saturday night as a family. And they would sift through these coins, these, these silver coins and these bills before bed. You know why they did that? In order to put the shiniest coins and the most crisp bills aside so that in the morning, on Sunday morning, they could give their utmost for his highest the shiniest of all coins, the crispest of all bills, because God was worth nothing less. And what we know that these writers did is that they used their giftings. They gave it their all, their utmost for his highest. They sought, they pursued, they valued, they wrote down, they counted it as important for them to give everything that they had to record this story of the son of the living God who became man to live with us and die for us and rise on our behalf, their utmost for his highest. Now God didn't write down everything for us. They didn't record everything. John 21, 25, look what it says. It says, now there are also many other things that Jesus did, were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. But God did preserve this account. The manuscripts referred to in this first thought may not be valid scripture, like we might not have them in the canon of scripture written with an authoritative um, uh, apostle, but we know that Luke says that they were written among us and we're gonna see too that they were passed down by our witnesses and so, by understanding what this is saying, they were probably pretty accurate. And so, what we see is that in this first point, we see the first thought of this particular text within this first verse, this first thought, this first sentence, is that many people sought to draw up and record the account of Jesus, God, who also became man. Number two, what we see in our passage is that personal witnesses of and ministers of the gospel handed down these accounts to Luke and to others. Personal witnesses of and ministers of the gospel handed down these accounts to Luke and to others. As you're writing, I'll read verse two. It says this, Just as they were handed down to us by those who, from the beginning, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Now stay with me, because this is wonderful. Luke now is getting close to describing the reason for which he is writing. He's not there yet, okay? He's still just kind of in the middle of a train of thought. He's talking in first person, which is significant because he's bringing himself into this story because it's going to give it more validation. Like, if you ever read a fiction story, right? I I don't read a lot of fiction, but many of you guys do. Um, And my wife loves fiction. Listen, as you read fiction, who do you never see? The author. He's just not there. He doesn't bring himself or herself into light, right? But this is not fiction, This is true, and so the author is bringing himself into light, saying, this is a story, sure, that I'm about to tell you, but I was part of this. And so he's building this case. He's telling us how this got here. He's telling us what has happened. And he is building off the first thought that many have sought to compile an account of the phenomenon that is the birth and the life and the work and the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ on your behalf. And what Luke is saying is that these accounts were handed down, literally, formally, an impactive work, authoritative work, handing down to te- for, for the teaching of the people to an approved recipient. This is to Luke and others, right? Us, he says. And so eyewitnesses either wrote or just circulated these accounts of Jesus. Eyewitnesses. And this is staggering. Listen, listen. This is staggering. They're being handed down by who? By those who from the beginning were firsthand eyewitnesses of the work and the life of Jesus. They saw all of this. They followed all of this. They knew the Son of God personally. They knew Him. They followed Him from the beginning. Now what does that mean because we know f- with fair certainty that these all these people weren't there from at the beginning of the birth of Jesus and able to keep record from the beginning of the birth of Jesus. So this is probably meaning at the beginning of Jesus's ministry. And so because We see this, we know from scriptural evidence that there were some there from the beginning of Jesus' ministry that were required to write or encouraged to write the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the time with John the Baptist. Look at this, John fifteen, twenty-seven. And you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning, or Acts one, twenty through or twenty-one through twenty-two. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John the Baptist from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection so these were eyewitnesses that they were writing and circulating this but they weren't merely eyewitnesses listen to this they were servants it says in verse 2 of this word servants literally ministers of this message they were ministers who were passing this down these were accounts for people from people who called it their duty? Who were committed to? Who were faithful to? Who sincerely were and genuinely taking time in this task to preserve, articulate, divulge, distribute this account? This account of what? Of the word. Now look at your verse in verse two. The word there is not capitalized. The word is often referred to. Jesus refers to Jesus, but there it's not the name for Jesus. It's just the word. What does he mean there? Well, the good news which is essentially the same thing. The person of Jesus, the work of Jesus, the message of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word. They were eyewitnesses of and ministers of this life, death, resurrection of Jesus. So what we see is first, many had committed themselves to compiling this story and this work. Second, that personal witnesses of and ministers of this gospel handed these things down. People were there. People saw it. People were committed to it. They recorded and distributed it. Number three, here's your paragraph, okay? Your longest one, so shake out your hand and get ready, okay? Number three, Luke had observed others undertaking the task to record this account and pass it around. And since Luke had followed everything carefully himself, he decided also, To compile an orderly account of Jesus' life and ministry. Let me say this again. Luke had observed others undertaking the task to record this account and pass it around. And since Luke had followed everything carefully himself, he decided also to compile an orderly account of Jesus' life and ministry. Now, lest you think that this is irrelevant, listen, this is how Luke decided to start his book by telling us all this. So I'm not just telling you all this for no reason. Luke said, I'm going to write the story of Jesus, and before I do, I'm going to spend four verses, that we see as verses now, telling you about this, how it got here, what had happened, who's writing, and why did I write? So this is what he tells us in verse 3. It says, it seemed fitting for me as well. Having investigated everything carefully from the beginning to write it out for you in consecutive order most excellent Theophilus. So what we see here is that Luke decided I'm going to write it down too. He was not an eyewitness. That's what we learn about Luke. Luke was not an eyewitness. Listen, Luke was second generation of early church. He was second generation. He wasn't first. He was a Gentile. He was a physician. Colossians 4.14, it's not on the screen, but it says, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. He was a physician. We know that he was a companion of the apostle Paul. So this had apostolic endorsement, not on the screen, but Acts 16. He says, we. In the book of Acts, as he is the writer of it, and he's describing Paul's journey, he then in chapter 16 switches to first person showing us that he was with Paul. And then in 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 11, it's not on the screen, but listen, here's what Paul says at the end of his life when he's about to die. He says, do your best to come to me soon, speaking to Timothy. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica, Cretans has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, and Luke alone is with me. He was with Paul at the end, just him and Paul. So he was not an eyewitness, but there's no doubt that throughout all of this, this man who was with Paul, you think Paul knew the story of the gospel pretty well? His time with Paul and his time of investigation. Luke said, I'm going to write it down too. And this is, he says, from the beginning, which is probably not, well, we know not the time from John the Baptist, but from the beginning, meaning from the time I heard about it. I investigated everything carefully. I was with Paul. And so I decided to write it down too. And listen, this investigation, stay with me, this investigation wasn't just mere rigid research. Paul and Luke had become so familiar with this message because it meant everything to them. That they were capable of recording it and reciting it. In various ways, Luke had investigated all the facts. And then he says, I decided to write it down. But here's what's amazing. Is that by God's grace, this book, this writing from Luke is actually in our closed-canon Bible. Closed-canon means there's nothing going to be added to this or taken away. This is it. We've got the Word of God. It's complete. And little did Luke know that when he was saying, you know what? It seemed fitting for me to write it down as well. Little did he know that that was the work of the Holy Spirit. Because look at this, Second Peter 1, 20 through 21. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. Wait a second. Luke, you just told us. You thought it was fitting. And God says, no, it wasn't produced by your will, Luke. It was produced by mine as I worked through you. Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so this is Luke. He writes it. He was investigating. He was writing it down, moved by the Holy Spirit, and he was meticulous about this. Most scholars would say that this is the most sound, impressive Greek in all of the Bible, that he introduces this book in the same way that many Greek-renowned writers would introduce their books or writings. By describing the thoroughness of their investigation and research on the topic before employing to tell people about the topic. So this was no doubt to Gentiles, because they would understand this, and they would listen. And he was a Gentile himself, and he was making it clear that this momentous story is exceeding all of the prestigious stories in all of the culture. Therefore, he was going to employ the best writing because he wanted to make sure he kept an account of what had happened, and so this is what we see, that Luke decided, I'm gonna write this down as well. Number four, what we see in our passage, is that Luke is writing to Theophilus, Theophilus. At the end of verse three, we see him calling, this recipient, most excellent Theophilus. It seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus. Now, anybody know what the name Theophilus means? Call it out. Yeah, friend of God or lover of God, right? So there's much debate as to whether or not this was a real person or just a general audience that he was writing to, Christians, maybe Gentiles, who um, were friends of God or lovers of God but wasn't really a real person but there's probably no reason for us to take it like that. This is probably a real person named Theophilus who's a lover of God, a Gentile who had come to know Christ and had heard a lot of things but it also speaks to the broader culture, a culture of people who would also read this, Gentile Christians, to be assured of the things that they heard about. So what we see is this Theophilus, this probably this real person who Luke describes as most excellent Theophilus. He also writes the book of Acts to this same person, Theophilus, probably a man of wealth and social standing, right? Because he calls him most excellent Theophilus, right? And he probably served this uh, book or this letter to him um, in a respectful form and address. But Luke's broader audience, intended audience, probably Gentile, Christians right? And Theophilus, what we see, had already been taught these things. He had already been hearing these things, and Luke wanted him to have no doubt recounting Jesus's life and message so that it would be useful for him to believe and to share it with the people around him. If you look in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, Luke writes this, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. So he tells us what he did in the book of Luke, which is deal with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. After he had given commands to the Holy Spirit, to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And so this is Luke writing that book of Acts, and he refers to a previous book that he had written, which is here, the book of Luke. And so Luke writes this to Theophilus. Lastly, number five, and here's where this really is good and helpful for us. Number five, Luke thought it was important for Theophilus to know with certainty the things that he had heard about Jesus. Luke thought it was important for Theophilus to know with certainty the things that he had heard about Jesus. Now look at number, verse four. What we see in verse four is it says the reason in which he is writing, so that you may know, so that you may know, Theophilus. Know What? Know the exact truth. What truth? The truth about the things you have been taught, the things that you have heard, the things about Jesus Christ. So what Luke is doing here is he is writing this so that Theophilus may have in his mind a reliable account to know with certainty, to be confident in how it really went, the exact truth to this believer already so that he could share it with a non-believer, right? And we see this. This is the reason in which he is writing. He wanted Theophilus to be convinced of it, to understand the exact truth of it. So that it wouldn't just be by word of mouth but that would be from a written source a trusted source and so church now we get into the reason in which all of this matters god used all of this to get this book to you to get this word to you so that you could know with certainty the exact truth of what happened. So you could know the exact storyline of how it went, of how he got here, of what he did, of what he said, of what his mission was, of how he accomplished it, that he did accomplish it, so you would know with certainty that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He was with God in the beginning and he came down to earth to wrap himself in human flesh. Why? So that he could be among us and live the perfect life that we need to live in order to be in right standing with God, but we can't because of our sin, because our sin separates us, because we fall short. None of us in it of ourselves has the capability to live a perfect life, the perfect life that God requires. So there's a punishment for sin. And Jesus says, I'm going to live the perfect life so that they don't have to because they can't, And even though I don't deserve any punishment because of my perfect life, I'm going to be the one who is qualified to die for their sins. And so throughout all of the storyline of seeing Jesus' perfect life, there was never once any opportunity that he chose to sin. And because of that, he went straight to the cross on our behalf. He was qualified to do it. He was capable of doing it. He had reasoning to do it so that we would not pay for our sins, so that he would go to the cross and the God that we know as God the Father would throw all of the wrath of all of our sin for all of mankind and all of the past and all of the future upon Jesus Christ and that Jesus would die and suffer the wrath of God that the Father would turn his face away because Jesus was the epitome of sin. And yet that Jesus would die and overcome this sin, raise from the dead to overcome our sin, that we would be able to be born again, come into the family of God. And then he ascended and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and this storyline is what Luke wanted Theophilus to be convinced of, to know the exact truth of it and to be fully convinced in his heart by it. Which leads us to two applicational points as we close this out and we're done. Two applicational points that I think will be helpful to instruct you as to how do you walk away from this, what do we walk away with? What should this mean for my life? Well, the first, and I think these are very helpful. And um, you would say, how do? What do I? All this information about how the this all was passed down, like what do I do with that? Well, I think it's very clearly um, applicable. I think it's very clear to see how we should apply this. The first is take advantage. God has preserved his word for you. Take advantage. God has preserved his word for you. Church, take advantage through the first few points and really the first four points of this. We see that God has preserved and recorded and precisely delivered this news. He kept it. He recorded it for you. Take advantage. God has preserved this word for you. We buy it in bookstores. We download it in apps on our phones. Why? Because God kept it. He kept it for us. Don't take it for granted. Take advantage. You have an account that was passed down by the hands of those who were eyewitnesses who were with apostles, who were ministers of, investigators of the story of Christ. Could you imagine, I can't even imagine, this is not to guilt trip you, but I can't even imagine going back and those who sought with all of their heart and even risked their life to record this account and them seeing maybe this dusty old book lay on a shelf that is completely irrelevant to our lives or we're living like it is. They sought this out because it was of utmost importance for us to have an account that it was passed down. We can read it. Take advantage, you have the account of the the story, the life of Jesus Christ. Don't put it aside, listen church, don't let yourself be more interested in business or fame or fortune or venture or enterprise. You have the story, the real story of the living God, of the God who came to earth, to die on your behalf. You have the account of the good news of great joy. So take advantage of God's word. How do you do that? Listen, read it. Meditate on it. Pour over it. Make notes about it. Memorize it. Listen to it. Savor it. Treasure it. Prize it. Keep it close at hand. Be saturated in it. Let it always be on your heart and on your mind and on your lips. Isaiah 55, 11, it says, so, sh- so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. When it comes out and it goes in, it does a work through the power of God. Don't miss the opportunity to read with your very own eyes the account that was passed down, the account of Jesus Christ. It would be silly for you not to take advantage of the fact that you have the written word of God. Don't pass it up. Take advantage. Secondly, we're done. Take it in first thing I think that we can be encouraged with in this is to take advantage. The second thing is to take it in. Take it in. Why? Because just as Luke wanted Theophilus to know the exact truth and to be fully convinced of it, so God wants us to know the exact truth and to be fully convinced of it. He's showing you how things really happened. He's showing you the exact truth so that you can know with certainty that the things that you've heard about Jesus are true or maybe they're not. But here's how it's really happened. This is how things really went. This is the exact truth. This is what you can know with certainty how it really went and how things happened. There is no ambiguity in this. What we see in this is that we can understand, we can be confident of, the way in which this happened. So if you've ever wondered, how did this thing really go down? Who is Jesus? What was his life like? I want to know this story for certain. This is how you know. Take it in. Listen, church, and this applies to so many different aspects, so many different people in so many different places. Listen, maybe you don't know the story. Maybe you're a Christian and maybe you've believed in it, but maybe you don't know how to articulate this story. Like that you could be confident in knowing exactly how this happened. We could take in this truth, take in this book, take advantage of it. Or maybe you believe or you are wanting to believe, you desire to believe, yet you don't know fully why this happened or what it means for your life. Or take it in. And maybe you don't believe because you're uninformed about the gospel of Jesus and how this applies to your life or what you should do in response to it, but that you would be fully convinced of this. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, Paul says, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And so the question is, do you know this story? Do you know the exact truth? Do you know how it really happened? Are you fully convinced of it? and do you believe it? 1 Corinthians 15, 34, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. What was delivered as of first importance? That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Do you believe it? Do you know the story with certainty? Do you know exactly what happened? So as we close this, and next week we embark on the actual storyline of this, my encouragement to you once again is to take advantage. Take advantage of God's word and take advantage of this book. And secondly, take it in. God wants you to know for certain. God wants you to be fully convinced. God wants you to believe this story. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and And God, I just pray that you would use this in our lives. I pray, God, that we would be people who take advantage of the word of God, that you've spent all this time to pass down this word to us to get it in our hands and that we would take advantage. We wouldn't set it aside or set it on a shelf or overlook it or pursue other things as more important, but God, that we would be people who take advantage of having your word of having this story, of having this good news. God, I also pray that we'd be people who take it in just as Luke wanted Theophilus to be one who takes it in, who's fully convinced, who knows with certainty the exact way in which things happened, the things he had heard of. I pray that we'd be a people who know for certain, we're fully convinced, we believe, we're fully convicted of, But God, we also know the information. We know the story, and we're capable of sharing it with other people. I pray, Lord, that you would do this great work as we walk through this beautiful book, this great news of great joy, that we would follow Jesus, we'd stay closely to him, and we'd share him with the rest of the world. In Jesus' name, amen.